We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid Death. Are you thirsty? Parched? Do you like dark and eerie sinister names for your beverages? Then you'll love Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com, use the promo code BIGBLUE for a refreshing beverage ahead of Halloween season. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Bellato. Coming to you on this sunny Thursday afternoon because we got some breaking news, some crazy news in the Giants world. It's a bit unexpected, at least for me, um, and not at least for me, for everyone. I don't think anyone expected this to happen today, days before the trade deadline. The Giants are sending Kadarius Toney, their 2021 first-round draft pick, to the Kansas City Chiefs for a conditional third-round pick, or I'm sorry, a compensatory third-round pick. There's a big difference. This pick cannot be upgraded to a bigger pick based on playing time. It is just simply their comp pick, which is after all of the third-round picks are made, there's a few picks left in the round called compensatory draft pick round for those who don't know. And that's like draft picks that the NFL hands you out as a team. If you lost players in free agency and did not use money to replace them in that free agent period. So in other words, like I said, it's, it's basically a fourth round pick. Essentially it's the very end of the third round. Um, and then a sixth round pick, their sixth round pick, which is essentially a seventh round pick, assuming the chiefs make a run in the playoffs, which is definitely expected at this point. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the compensation, Nick. Uh, I guess let's say what was your re- re- initial reaction to this deal, and maybe what's your what's your thoughts now that you've had some time to uh, you know reflect on it some more, as Joe Shane would say, I, reflect on what I said. Reflect on what I said. Yeah, that's a good nice callback, Dan. I'd say that my immediate reactions are very similar to to how I'm viewing this now, and I, I tweeted about this, and I essentially said that it's unfortunate that the New York Giants couldn't get Kadarius Tony to flourish within Brian Dable's system because we know that if Kadarius Tony is fully dialed in, he could assimilate to the playbook. I think the upside and the ceiling with that type of player would have been incredible, but there are extenuating circumstances that led to this player not getting on the football field injury related. There were probably other stuff. I don't think he fully knew this playbook. We've kind of been saying that since week one, when we saw him play, what was it like seven snaps or run like seven routes or something ridiculous. He did like a play action slide. It might've been against Carolina. He did like a play action slide and then just a bunch of drag routes. He was running nothing downfield. And then when he was asked to run downfield after the game, you had Sterling Shepard and Brian Dable say that there were a lot of receivers 
running wrong routes down the football field that also led to the OPI with David Sills. But I digress when it comes to that. I feel like it's kind of harkens back to the, the previous regime, Dan. It's uh, This is a top 20 pick uh, who has a lot of talent on a rookie deal who is now traded for a end of third round pick and a six. I think Joe Shane should have made this trade. I think if this kid isn't going to adopt to what you're trying to do from a culture standpoint and get on the football field, you have to get as much from that. But at the same time, it's not great for the New York Giants that somebody 18 months ago who was a top 20 selection in the draft is now off the team. And especially a guy who has talent at a position that you need help with. Like there are a lot of ways to look at this. I think you can look at this positively and negatively, and you can be right doing both of those things. I tweeted that and there's a lot of people kind of coming at me a little bit on it. And I'm saying like, look, you can say Joe Shane did a good job, but also say, man, this kind of sucks because that was essentially a wasted top 20 pick in last year's draft. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think my initial reaction is a little bit different than my reaction now after some things have come out. When I initially reacted, I didn't see Kadarius Tony's tweet, which essentially said that he suggested, at least he tweeted and deleted that he's healthy and that's not the reason he's not playing, essentially. Nice New Jersey mug over there, by the way. But he tweeted he's healthy and that's essentially not the reason he's playing. He tweeted something else that he later deleted. We'll find out soon if that's the case with the Chiefs because I'll tell you what, they can find a way for it. to. If he's healthy, he's not going to be sitting on that Chiefs bench because if they use him alone just to be pre-snap eye candy, you know, eye, eye candy for the defense with motion, which they run more than any team in the NFL but the Dolphins, the Chiefs, and they've scored more touchdowns this season in pre, uh, when using pre-snap motion than any team in the NFL. The Chiefs have 22. The next size team has 13. The Chiefs also have the player in motion. The actual motion player has more touchdowns than any other team. Chiefs have 10. Another team has more than three. So if he's healthy, he'll play for them. I'll say that. But knowing that he might be healthy and still not playing for the Giants, Nick, it makes me feel a little bit better about the entire situation. Sorry, I just had a little bit of a thing on the camera there that I'm cleaning up. It makes me feel a little bit better about the entire situation because in my mind, it's hard to see them establishing a better value. Like, look, in any trade you do, fantasy football, the NFL, life, whatever you're doing, you don't want to trade an asset when it's at its lowest. Right now, it would seem to be that Kadarius Tony is at its lowest as an asset, right? He was a top 20 yeah. pick. He flashed 189 yards in a game with 10 receptions that put him on everyone's radar. He looked like he has a lot, a lot of upside based on that. You can see it in the movement skills. The talent is undeniable there. That's never been a question. But not only has that never been a question, I think on film he flashed that his talent was actually top five, top 10, to be completely honest with you. He flashed talent as a rookie receiver. Again, small sample size, got injured. But he flashed talent as a rookie receiver that you could say maybe Eli Moore doesn't have the, any kind of trait like uh, Tony stop and start ability, right? And what could that lead to? Well, it could lead to the route we saw him run against Stephon, uh, not Stephon, Trayvon Diggs in that game against the Cowboys where he totally cooked him. And you saw like, wow, imagine this dude running whip routes. Wow, imagine this dude in pre-snap motion in Mike Kafka's offense. There's still a ton of upside from a talent standpoint there. But if he's not going to get on the field, you can't rebuild his trade value in any way. So it's possible that Joe Shane actually traded him at his floor, you know, at where this the assets floor is going to be, or just at a decent point, or there's even a possibility. I know Shane is thinking this that this asset could have gotten even worse. They could have gotten even less of a return if they kept waiting and waiting, um, assuming they weren't going to put him on the field. Because the only way to rebuild his value is by playing him. And again, the Giants weren't going to do that. So based on that, I've come around a little bit to it, but I still stand by the take that you put out there, Nick. 
there is a world. It's not you don't have. It's not mutually exclusive for the Giants who have won this specific trade, but also not gotten better from a roster standpoint. This is not a net positive for their roster, right? This is a late three. You're not going to get much of any kind of talent, especially a receiver at 100. I don't know what you can get at 100. You can maybe luck into a, a linebacker, a lineman, a safety, those types of positions. You can find like decent contributors like the Beltons of the world, the Dane Beltons of the world, the Mike McFadden's. You're not getting Kadarius Tony level talent at that pick or the six round pick either. So that we can lock in for sure almost unless they lock into it. But at the same time, you're winning because you're returning some value on someone who's not playing at all and was deemed by you guys and him to be not playing, not because he's not healthy, if that makes sense. It makes sense. I, I would say this. I think you, not not the talent of Kadarius Tony, but I think with Joe Shane, his eye for talent with this front office and what they've just proven in the 2022 NFL draft, you can get key contributors with these two picks. I mean, Darian Beavers was probably going to be a key contributor who was a sixth round pick. And then also... This pick will probably be slightly before. Yeah, this t- this pick. It, so. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. This pick will be slightly before where the Giants selected Daniel Bellinger and Dane Belton. So I still think mm-hmm. you can get an impact player, but that doesn't really take away from the fact that Kadarius Tony was a top 20 pick just last draft. Like that's not that long ago. And you have to factor in the wide receiver, the dearth of talent, the wide receiver position. You have to factor in the rookie contract, the fifth year option and all of those things. But that's not a shot at Joe Shane. It's more of just a shot, not just at Dave Gettleman and the prior regime, but just how the New York Giants have had this history does not fall in this current regime. has had this history of not getting the most out of a lot of these high draft assets. DeAndre Baker off the team. Ironically enough, Kansas City Chief. Kadarius Tony now off the team. Ironically enough. Kansas City Chief, but that's more so what I'm talking about. Like there is a negative way to view this while also viewing it in a positive light because Joe Shane was able to get to your point, Dan, something of value for a guy who I don't think fit well at all here because he didn't know the damn playbook and he wasn't learning the damn playbook and he couldn't stay healthy. And all of those things kind of come together. You just want to kind of get what you can from him, scrape the slate clean, and then move on. And I'm glad that Joe Shane did that, but it also kind of sucks because the Giants could have had somebody else with that 20th pick who could be contributing right now. And I know that's hindsight and all of that, but even at the time we acknowledged when Kadarius Tony was drafted, Dan, that this kid has talent, but he had a ton of issues coming out of Florida that we discussed right here on this podcast. And we just hoped that he would mature a little bit and he would stay healthy. And none of those things really happened. And now he's out of town. Yeah. And I think it's important to note what you did, what you said there, Nick, You have only as a franchise, you only have a finite number of resources when it comes to your draft capital, right? You have most years, one first round pick, some years, two, very rare years. You might have three very and probably not as rare, but you will have some years where you have zero first round picks. But these first round picks are such valuable assets, not only because they're finite resources, but because when you hit on these players, you get them under team control for cheap for five years. Even that fifth year rookie option is cheaper than what you would have to pay if you hit on these players. And what do I mean by hit? I mean, I hit on like star level or close to star level, not Dane Belton level contribution, not Daniel Bellinger level contribution. I mean, somebody who is a game breaking talent, a Dexter Lawrence this season, a Saquon Barkley this season, those types of players. And you're only really going to get an opportunity for those type of players. Pretty much the top 50 picks, but you're every as each you go down in each pick, top 15, top 20, top 25, you're losing the chance of getting that type of talent as it goes down and down and down. Occasionally, maybe you'll get like a Damone Clark late because he's injured or something like that. And who knows if he'll hit, but he's like even borderline that he's more of like top 50 ish type of talent. So the chances of getting like a really top end guy who could be 
the bargain of bargains against your salary cap, right? You got him for four years on the first part of that rookie deal where it's not costing much at all, $8 million against the cap, $9 million, whatever. Then he turns into the 13, whatever it is, that fifth-year rookie option, but it's still not the 20, 25, 35, or whatever they're allocating to Leonard Williams next year. So you're losing that, and you only have so many of those. So it's hard for me to be like, oh, my God, we fleece the Chiefs. It's so I've seen a lot of people be like, the Giants fleece the Chiefs. The fact that could even get anything for this guy, it's like, well, yeah, maybe that part of it is true, Maybe not, right? Maybe Kadarius Tony is actually healthy, takes well to the Chiefs coaching in the situation there, and flourishes for the Chiefs. To me, this is not some kind of bad deal for the Chiefs at all. I like this swing for the Chiefs, to be completely honest. They might just be like, this dude's still 20-whatever years old. He's had some injury problems. He didn't fit in with the culture there. We can get him into a winning culture here. Not a winning culture. The Giants are now a winning culture. That's not even a correct thing to say. We can get him to a different culture, let's just say, in a different offense. And maybe just, in general, just like a different, um, I guess, refresh start. Yeah, and I don't want to... It's a refresh start, but, uh, but I want to make it clear here, Nick. I am not excusing the player at all, Kadarius Tony. You're saying all he needed was a refresh start. The Giants didn't give him a good situation. No, Somebody know. tweeted that at me. Like, what does it say about your franchise if behind closed doors, like, we're, you know, this guy can't even get on the field, but he's not hurt. I'm like, what does it say about the player? Don't ask me what it says about the franchise because it's clear that everyone loves that locker room. It's clear that they're six and one with, despite having just 65% of their salary cap to use for this season. And I tweeted that out earlier. The Giants are allocating a combined 35% of their allotted salary cap space, $208 million, what the NFL gives you as an NFL team, on Kenny Galladay who doesn't play, and then just dead contracts, the Solders, the Logan Ryans, the Blake Martinez, whatever it may be. So it's clear that this team does not have issues behind closed bars that forced you know Kadarius Tony into a tough situation. This is a Kadarius Tony issue. I think we can yes. pretty much agree with that without really knowing much. It's still some speculation on Nick and, my, Nick and mine part because we don't, again, nobody knows. We don't know Kadarius Tony very well. Um, and, he, and even the guys in the locker room, the beat guys, I don't really think they have true access to what's actually going on behind the scenes with these players um, and with the personnel. But the fact of the matter is for the Giants right now, what does it say to you, a team that's six and one, Nick, the biggest need arguably is a receiver. And yet they still trade a first round pick that they made 12, 18 months ago for pretty much not much capital. Look, third round pick, quote unquote, that's really a fourth and a late sixth. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You may see your coworkers cracking open a can in your 9 a.m. stand-up meeting and think, you're drinking? It's a Tuesday afternoon. I get it. We're stuck in this meeting room. But you can't be drinking beer at work. Oh, 
it's most likely not beer. It's a new mountain spring water brand called Liquid Death. One may wonder, or even ask, why is it called Liquid Death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. So, like a famous television character whose show shares the name of a star defensive lineman on the Giants with the last name Lawrence, this drink is killing to save. How altruistic. It tastes good, it's refreshing, everyone should go and try it. It kind of looks like an energy drink, but it is just water. So please, go get Liquid Death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com. Use the promo code BIGBLUE, so that's liquiddeath.com slash BIGBLUE. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? Do you like to place bets and find ways to optimize your betting experience? Well, then OddsTrader.com is the place for you. OddsTrader is a place to compare odds from all the major sports books. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal. OddsTrader offers handicapping, play-by-play updates, player statistics, key game statistics, live scoring and tracking, projected game day, weather, and Bet Tracker allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activity. So if you like to place bets and you want to get the most out of that experience, go to oddstrader.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's oddstrader.com slash BLUEWIRE. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. Not to read into the timeline of Twitter too right. much, but I thought I saw Kadarius Tony tweet and then delete something about how he's basically healthy was that yeah, something that's that what, that's what we're talking about yep yeah yeah so if that is true like that says something about the player not getting out there for it could be a variety of reasons and that's why i feel like in the whole that this trade is good for the new york giants you don't want a player if he doesn't want to play and if he can't play within the confines of your offense for whatever reason right. now him transitioning to the chiefs not that mike kafka and brian dable can't do this or they aren't this because they are but Andy Reid has been known as one of the masters of personnel packages and using certain players in a certain way. I mean, you can go back years like DeAnthony Thomas and players like that, right? I think that's how Kadarius Tony's role is going to start here, man. And they're going to be at the 20-yard line, and you got so much to worry about with the Kansas City Chiefs. You got Pat Mahomes. You got, obviously, Travis Kelsey. I mean, now Juju Smith-Schuster is starting to come out. You got a field stretcher and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And it's not like they have Tyreek Hill anymore. But Kadarius Tony's going to be used near the goal line. He's going to be used by the 20, and he's going to be eye candy. And you also know you get the football in that kid's hands. He's going to make a lot of people miss. So there's like, there might be games in the future where we're like, oh my God, look at Kadarius Tony. You know, it's going to be happening on prime time. Everyone's going to be talking about, oh, the Giants are suckers. They're not suckers. I don't think the Giants are suckers here whatsoever for everything that you just broke down about Kadarius Tony and the individual and what he was doing or not doing in this locker room right now. Yeah, and I also think there's a chance that that doesn't even happen because he might just be the type of person who doesn't love football and is never going to be that impact player for the Chiefs because of it. Despite getting... Look, the situation's better for him. No offense to the rest. Of I, I hope I don't have to say this as a qualifier, but playing with Patrick Mahomes is better than playing with Daniel Jones or any quarterback, <laughs> let's be honest, right? Except for Josh Allen, potentially. Um, that's just, that goes without saying, I really hope that doesn't, you know, ruffle any feathers. But besides that, the situation was fine with the Giants. This was a system that perfectly fits his skill set. A coordinator like Matt Kafka, who pr- 
has proven that he can utilize a player like Canary Tony. Hell, even in the one appearance Tony made, or whatever it was this season, he played one or two games. I don't even care or remember at this point. Was it one or two? I don't it even know. Two. It was two. It was two. Yeah. It was one where he barely didn't play. Yeah. He designed a play for him that was a trick play that allowed him to potentially be a quarterback on the play and throw the ball down the field. He used him in pre-stat motion. And like you said, it was limited early on because he didn't pick up the playbook fast enough. And what had happened after that game where, you know, Sterling Shepard said, oh, Receivers may not are still running the wrong routes. Brian Dable hinted the same thing. What happened in that game? Well, the Giants got called for offensive pass interference when Kadarius Tony and David Sills ran the route at the same depth and caused a pick that the refs called and took back one of the biggest plays of the game. And so whose fault was that? Well, we wouldn't know, but maybe probably it's Kadarius Tony's, right? Because why else would he then not be playing? And so, you know, if he does pick it up with the Chiefs, that's fine. I can think about it like that. But I will say this, Nick, at this point, as I mentioned before, when you're six and one and your first your first and likely biggest need is wide receiver and you're still trading your most talented wide receiver from a pure talent standpoint, it says something to me. It says that this guy wasn't going to get on the field for you no matter what. You did not trust him to be on the field. You didn't like what, what he was doing in his from his work habits. And so at that point, it's hard to say the Giants got fleeced because they weren't going to play him. So how were they going to rebuild the value? That's the problem here. A hundred percent. Yeah, you, you nailed it, dude. Like, there's no way I feel like to look at it and say that the Giants got fleeced in this deal. And that was not the intentions of the tweet that I sent. It was more just like, yeah, this is a kid talent who would have fit in with this system very well if he was fully dialed in. But that's just not how all of this kind of materialized. And that's unfortunate. Like I said, not to reiterate, but a top 20 pick just in 2021 is now off the roster. That's not a winning formula, but now this is a new regime in town and you have to get the most for a player who obviously didn't seemingly want to be here. That's another aspect of this, which also says a lot about him because this team is six and one. They're winning football right. games. Now. Like say what you want about Kenny Galladay, right? Say what you want about him. The contract sucks. He's been a huge colossal failure here in New York. He's interviewing with the media and he's like, bro, I'm dying to get back out there and do anything in my power to help this team win. If it's blocking, I'll do that. Like, and that says something about Kenny Galladay, right? Because earlier in the season, he was a little bit of like, hey, you know, I want the ball, blah, blah, blah. But now I right. think he's like Darius Slayton and Marcus Johnson and these guys coming in and making plays. And he's like, bro, I just got to go in there and help this team win in some manner. Now, can he do that? <laughs> I'm not fully confident in that, but the, he was I mean, helping as a blocker, at least toward the end. Oh, yeah. Before the injury. I mean, he got yeah. hurt. He got right. hurt blocking his blocking. ass off. And yep. that says something too about him as well. So I'm hoping he can come back eventually and, and contribute in some manner. But as for Kadarius, Tony, it's just sayonara at this point. Uh, have fun in Kansas City. Hopefully you like barbecue. Yeah. And again, as you mentioned again, but I think it's worth repeating, Nick, you can think two things on here. They're not mutually exclusive. The Giants did the best they could to trade him for what they got today, but it doesn't ultimately mean it's not a great thing for the roster, right? When you take a first round pick, 18 months ago and turn it into a late three and a late six. That just can't possibly be anything better than a push. Unfortunately for your overall it's roster. Not, it's, it's not a good yeah. ROI for when that draft pick was made, yeah. but you can argue that it's a better ROI right now with the right. current ask. Great point. Perfectly said. And that's the sunk cost fallacy right there that people keep like yelling at me about in the replies. I understand the sunk cost fallacy. I get that. Exactly. I can't say that they're trading the first round pick. He's not the first round pick anymore. But my whole point and Nick's whole point is you don't just get these first round picks. A lot of people were like, you know, you don't just get to uh, erase what happened. Or a lot of people are like, we should just start fresh with the regime, uh, chain regime, right? Anything that Gettleman did. Don't even think about it. Don't even worry about it. It's all new. But unfortunately, that's just not the case because first round picks in year two are supposed to be contributing on your NFL roster. 
And Joe Shane inherited that. He didn't have an option. That was his first round pick. It was the guy that uh, Dave Gettleman took, Arias Tony. And so overall, you still have, you don't, we, it's not like, you know, we can forget about the first round pick, call it, call it a three and a six now, like, right. Say like Tony's worth a three and a six. Well, sure you can. I understand what people are saying, right? Like the value has gone down. That makes total sense, but that doesn't mean the giants are getting a win just because now it's, it, it, how could it be a win if you turned a one from 18 months ago into now the value of that same one is a three and a six. And I think that's, that's the whole point there, Nick, but I want to say one more thing about this trade or a couple more things about this trade and get your take on the first being Joe Shane traded this for two picks. He got two draft picks and, you know, he made it clear here that he wasn't trying to trade him for like another disgruntled receiver, let's say somebody uh, on the block that another team wanted to deal or anything like that. He wanted the picks. And although there's been injuries to this Giants 2022 rookie class, Nick, they contribute when they're on the field. They've been role players. They've made big plays. And I think part of that is because he believes that he can spend the time to get to know these players and see if they are one, dependable, two, smart. Because those are the two traits that they've been prioritizing here. And can they fit the system? Which is obviously, even if he doesn't mention it or not, that's very important because they are running two unique systems and they're building something from a system standpoint that's going to try to carry over from a coaching standpoint, right? So now he has two more picks that he can do that, run through that whole process with, right? He didn't get an opportunity to run through that process with Kadarius Tony. That was never an option to him. He didn't get to have a chance to know him, see if he's tough, smart, dependable, all those things. These guys that they take with this late three and this late six, they're going to have that opportunity at least now to meet with these guys. And people called the Daniel Bellinger pick a reach at the time. And he ended up probably, I mean, knock on wood, if he comes back healthy, he's a hit, right? People called, said the same thing about Belton at the time. And the same thing about all of these picks that they made. Wandell Robinson, who's going to, who's contributing in a big way right now. And it's going to be relied on even more heavily now. So to me, now, when people look at it like, is this a move to set up another move, right? Is Shane going to package these picks and the Giants second or the Giants third, whatever, for Jerry Judy and whatever? I I'm not so sure. I think that boat has sailed. They said it in the last couple of pods to you, Nick, but I always thought a Tony for one of those receivers made more sense to trade, not the picks themselves. Where do you stand on the Giants potentially trading the picks they've acquired and their, uh, and their own picks to upgrade at the deadline? I feel like this is a pretty insular type of organization right now in, in the sense that they're going to have their guys in the building and they want to get to know the players that they're bringing in, see if they are smart, tough, and dependable. Now, Joe Shane could have a history with some wide receiver on another team from that when he scouted him when he was with the Buffalo Bills. Like That's plausible, right? But I'm not 100% certain if the Giants are going to spend assets to go and acquire them midseason. I will say this, though. The Giants' bye week coincides perfectly with... The trade deadline. So if the Giants did want to do it, they could trade for the said receiver. He can come in and then he has a week to acclimate to the Giants system. I don't necessarily envision it. Would I be shocked if it happened? No, but if I had to put money either way, I'd probably lean towards them not going out and pursuing somebody and then just using those picks. Because now too, Dan, we got to look. The New York Giants last year, I mean, everything was so accelerated. Like Joe Shane got hired, what, at the end of January? You know, like, like maybe early February, it was, it was that part of the year. So now you just kind of get thrown right into draft season at the end of January, and you don't necessarily have your people around you. You have Dave Gettleman's people around you. This is something that was brought up a lot during the draft season. Now, Joe Shane has his front office with scouts that he trusts and he relies on. So I right. think that's another reason why all these picks are going to be even more valuable, could be even more of a comprehensive approach because Joe Shane 
knows now during the season that he is the general manager of the New York Giants and not just somebody working under Brandon Bean. Yeah, that's a great point as well. Now he has the full, you know, what's the word for it? the full uh, authority to kind of really go through that process the way that he wants to go through that pre-draft process comprehensively is what I would imagine based on, you know, the fact that they went through a pretty comprehensive process just in their first year on limited time. And so, yeah, they're going to, these picks are more valuable to them than I think a lot of people realize when they're considering, will they, you know, go ahead and trade for a wide receiver right now? I will say this though, as far as bottom lines also go, Nick, at this point, the Giants don't have the same ceiling they had from a wide receiver standpoint today that they had yesterday, right? I think that's pretty clear. You, you're not going to use these picks this year. The hope was Kadarius Tony was going to get back on the field. I guess the assumption now that we can not yet accept, but at some point as more information comes out, we might have to, you know, we might be able to accept is that Tony wasn't going to play this year no matter what, I guess. I guess they're just like not putting him on the field, which is crazy to believe that someone is so disassociated that even if healthy with that kind of talent he can't get on the field i can't even think of too many examples of that at all there was nothing he tweeted or posted or said to a reporter that was like i want to trade i want to hold out right like didn't get anything like that there were some people who thought maybe he didn't look um you know enthused on the sidelines things of that nature some speculation based on that but i didn't really see any signs of him like demanding a trade or anything but with him gone and him off the team for picks the receivers are what they are right now. There's no more of this. Let's just wait till receiver X gets back. Like Galladay will come back at some point, potentially play. But I think we've seen on film that Galladay doesn't have much to offer that will change too much of what they have at wide receiver right now. So for me right now, you're going forward with Wandale, Darius Slayton, and then potentially Marcus Johnson or Kenny Galladay. That's what I'm, that's how I'm looking at like the ceiling of this wide receivers. How do we get to a ceiling with what we have? Well, it's Wandale playing most of the snaps. It's Darius Slayton playing most of the snaps and some kind of mix with Galladay and Marcus Johnson. And then Richie James, obviously, too. Who, yep, and James as well. Who, like we said on the offensive review podcast, like he's a smart receiver. But none of these receivers, man, none of them are like, I'm going to attack the catch point and win 50-50 balls consistently, which is so crazy to me because that's what Kenny Galladay was supposed to be. But we haven't really seen it since he came over here from the New York Giants. And that wasn't what Kadarius Tony was either. And we've said, like, I think players like Kadarius Tony and like Wandell Robinson, these are the perfect type of players, if they're fully dialed in and understand what's going on, who can assimilate into Brian Dable and Mike Kafka's offense and have success. But at the same time, don't you want that guy who's going over the middle of the field can present his hands and, and really extend and make consistent catches? Giants don't necessarily have that. Like Sterling Shepard, he's not built as that type of guy, but he could do that. But now that he's gone too, it's like, damn, dude, like Darius Slayton and Marcus Johnson, I think can have that, but both of them have kind of proven that they don't have the most reliable hands. So there are still issues. I mean, there's always going to be issues this season with this wide receiver core, but it's good to see Darius Slayton have this expanded opportunity. And I hope he can continue to rise to the occasion and not be as frustrating as he was over the past two seasons. And then Wondell Robinson, it's a rookie, man. He's small, but damn, is he's going to be a critical part of this offense moving forward. Let's hope he stays healthy, knocking on wood. Yeah, we're going to need him to stay healthy now. It's now become like you said that it become, it's become it's in some ways dire from a long-term building standpoint nick right because at least with tony on the roster before today the you know the hope from our standpoint as uh, analysts was okay he's just injured right he just has these two hamstring injuries it's not his fault he kept getting re-injured because at least in my mind i don't really think there was too much off-field stuff going on until today i know there was speculation on it nick but it wasn't to me there was no clarity on it until maybe today based on his tweet but 
that he's since deleted. So who knows what's going on with that? But before today, my thought was, well, if Tony does come back, Nick, and does really just pick it up fast, right? He stays healthy for the final six games, let's say, or the final eight games, plays great because the system is great for him, shows a little bit of what he showed in those first two weeks from an explosive standpoint. Well, I go into the next offseason, Nick, thinking, well, if Wondell Robinson continues his path, because I love the current path Wondell Robinson is on, Tony Robinson, I don't feel as horrible about where they're at from a receiver standpoint with those two in the mix for next year, going into the offseason, free agency in the draft, right? Well, now yeah. you rule out one of those guys entirely from a talent standpoint. So now at best they have like a Wandale Robinson, like sure. Richie James, Darius Slayton, Marcus Johnson. They're all right, but they're, they're guys that you can get any year to put in, in this type of situation. They're not what you want there. And so now it really puts a more of a constraint on us because we're not getting another first round pick back. We're getting a three and a six. And it's a lot harder to find wide receiver talent at three. And it's not a three. It's a late three and a six. And so now it's like, well, it's a different offseason now because we've already learned last offseason you can't really get these guys in free agency at the wide receiver position. You want them, we'll go ahead and give Christian Kirk a record-setting deal. You want someone else, well, you have to pay $15 million or whatever it was for Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who literally cannot create any separation despite being a 4-4 guy because he's so bad at the wide receiver position and will be effectively benched, in my opinion, in my guesstimation, if Tony does really come into his own there with the Chiefs um, and if they're smart enough to get Sky Moore in the field as a receiver more. Because I think Valdez-Gantling is arguably one of the worst starting receivers in the NFL right now. His separation numbers are beyond bad. Whatever. But he costs $15 million. And same thing goes for Kirk. So the free agency to me is not really a route. So now you look at the draft. And you're like, well, we only have one first-round pick this year. Only one second-round pick. We got linebacker issues. Center. We've wanted to address center forever. To really use another corner. So now it just it clutters that whole situation up. So that's, I guess, why for me it's just... Hard to view this as a total win. I, I almost view this thing as like a push for the Giants in some ways. They did the best they could do with what's left of it. But now that just changes it's, the whole outlook receiver for me. I think if we want to like break it down, it's a win for the circumstances as of right now. But it's sure. a total complete loss from a 50,000 foot view standpoint because of like we've said throughout this entire podcast the asset of a first round pick was essentially wasted and is now not on the roster but that's not because of joe shane like those things can those things can coexist with each other but we'll see what happens moving forward right. man this is going to be interesting i'm curious to see if Kadarius tony is going to get on the field and, and play for the chiefs right away after the bye week he's going to have a bye week to learn that playbook and he tweeted too another thing that he tweeted that the trade he quote tweeted nfl.com reporting Tom Pelissero's trade that he reported and saying chief's kingdom, baby. Thank you. God, like not to be too gossipy or anything like that. Like it, that to me doesn't be, seem like, Oh, you know, big blue faithful love you. You know, it's like, Hey, thank God I'm out of that place. But that's just kind of Kardashian type stuff of me looking into. Yeah. Look, it didn't work out. Whatever the reason being now it's clear that Tony, it wasn't a good, good combination. The giants and Tony, I, I don't exactly know why. I don't know what the giants did really wrong. So it's it's weird to me that Tony himself. Well, maybe Tony, like we're really we're really looking into it here, but maybe Tony like has a chip on his shoulder, former first round pick, understands how talented he is, and this coaching staff is much more of like, hey, you got to earn your snaps right. here. And Kadarius right. Tony, that might not be you know a part of his something that he wanted to necessarily do, or felt like them saying, he hey, we're gonna play. 
we're going to play David Sills and Richie James over. Right. Here. I was probably like, what the hell to play those guys over me for? Like, who knows? There's so much that can go in and we're speculating here. No, either I like way, that. I think that's good speculation, Nick, because it makes a lot of sense, right? It's the only thing that could, it's not the only thing, but it's one of the few things that could put any kind of sense into this situation for how this completely fizzled out between the Giants and the, and Tony, unless you're saying it's all injuries, which we're kind of starting to figure out it's not. So like, what's the deal? Well, maybe Tony's the type of guy who felt like entitled to these snaps because he's like, Am I really not playing over David Sills for F's sake? And then Brian Dable's like, David Sills knows where to be on every route. So yeah, you're not playing. You want to play more than him? Then learn where to be on every route. And quite frankly, dude, like that's how it should be in my mind. 100%. You should not be entitled yeah. to any snaps, despite the fact that you are more talented than a David Sills type. And long-term, I've said this before on this podcast, and I'll say this again. You know I was never a big fan of like uh, the Joe Judge style culture, right? Like you win four four meaningless games the end of 2020 we built a culture but i am a believer that the best players in this sport or any sport are the ones who combine talent with drive right michael jordan insane level drive tiger woods insane level drive you listen to their practice habits their study habits Peyton manning study habits things of that nature all of the best athletes so if you just have one of those things talent but you don't have the drive i don't know if we're really too for sure missing out on anything crazy special to begin with so that's where the sunk cost thing comes full circle here. The people are saying sunk cost, sunk cost, sunk cost, right? This is fine. He was nothing. He wasn't on the field. He's not going to be anything. Sure, the talent flashes were there. We saw him, but you need talent and drive. And I don't hate to, I don't, it is speculation, Nick. So I really hate to do this about somebody I haven't met, but it's the only thing it, from what we have to work with. I think it's an okay assumption to make. We're connecting dots right now, and yeah, those right. dots seem pretty visible and clear. Could we be wrong? Yeah, we could be wrong, but I don't know, man. Like a lot of fingers start to kind of point at that that uh, theory that you just laid out. Yeah, and so that's it for us today on the Canarius Tony Trade Reaction Pod, the Emergency Pod. Overall thing, we feel good about what the return they got based on where they're at now. We don't think it overall was too big of a net positive for the roster. And we feel like moving forward receiver, there's not too much that we can speculate on will be different. Now that could change if Galladay comes back fresh, looking great somehow again. It just that that part seems very unlikely. So <laughs> this is going to be what it is. I think if you're looking for a net positive upside wise, since we obviously lost a lot of upside losing Tony, a lot of us were baking that into the future you know, of this season's upside. The upside I would say is Wandale Robinson could get better and better and better as he continues to get more reps. I'm already starting to see some flashes of him. The The route he got open for in the red zone that Daniel Jones didn't throw the football into when he got into that open window, that was a nice route. He's run some really good routes. He's been used in a lot of variety of ways, and he looks pretty damn quick and explosive and smart out there, smart at finding open, vacated zones. One more positive, too. Yep. I don't think we're going to see something like this happen with the New York Giants under Joe Shane. I think these players are very, very well vetted from a character standpoint, from a do you love football standpoint and from an intelligence standpoint, because not to just come over here and just crap all over our previous general manager, but two first round picks now are off the roster before they're the end of their contract and DeAndre Baker and, and Kadarius Tony. And that's not good. Those guys were not vetted well, obviously. So I don't think that's going to happen under Joe Shane. So that's one thing that gives me a little bit of solace and makes me a little happy. That's a good point. We won't have to do this thing again, right? What did they end up getting out of Baker and Kadarius Tony? Two first round picks. Actually, it's two first round picks plus a three and a four because they traded a three, yep. a four, and a two to move up for Baker. What did they get out of it? They got a three, a late three, and a six. So 
obviously when you just look at it like that, impossible to turn around as a positive, but the positive that Nick brought up, which is great, is this is probably the end of that. This is probably the last time as fans we have to do this thing where we get breaking news and one of our first-round picks with a ton of talent is traded for pennies on the dollar. This is hopefully the last example of that. And I think under Shane, it really will be. I don't think there's any reason to believe that they're going to draft these types of character players. And it is, again, super surprising to me even that Gettleman went that route after having the Baker experience. If there's one thing I would have thought about Gettleman and his reactionary ways as a general manager, it's that he would react in a way like, I'll never let that happen to me again, right? That'll never, ever happen again. And then somehow he gets fooled again. It happens again to him. It's just crazy to even think about how poorly you could be at your job that you could let that happen to you again when your whole thing was we're character guys right we're building a character culture so it's just beyond me that that could happen once to a team that's character first but then when you get fooled once you don't get fooled again and there were red flags at florida too like they were well documented it was yeah there were red flags about Kadarius tony at florida and he still went with that pick and i remember us talking about it on the podcast like yeah there were red flags but they must have really vetted him well you know he must have really matured but yeah I don't know. we did say that because we wouldn't say that right yeah. you're supposed to look for the positive and, and we'll, we'll end it there you know we won't rap too hard on the former regime and the position they put joe shane in today but it has to be mentioned because it's a big reason why joe shane is only able to turn this into what he's able to turn this into so that's all for today keep it locked and loaded on the big blue banter podcast we have an excellent interview coming that will probably drop a little bit later now maybe on friday day because of this news um with danny kelly of the ringer it's a preview of the giant seahawks this dude knows more football than most people out there i can't wait for you guys to get to hear danny kelly on the show um and then we're gonna try to still get the mailbag in as well which got a little bit pushed back because the schedule as well but otherwise have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon